I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we're with Frank Tate. Frank is the executive director of the Clarksville Montgomery County Industrial Development Board up in Clarksville, Tennessee, one of the fastest growing areas, I guess, in the whole country. So, Frank, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time and invitation today, Chad. Yes, sir. So Frank's been a friend of mine for years ago, back when he was in his old Kentucky home. And now he's in Clarksville and just setting the world on fire, the program they built up there. So tell these folks a little bit about Clarksville and some of y'all's recent wins. Yeah, Chad. Well, you know, in 2019, Clarksville was listed as the number one best place to live by Money Magazine. And when you're an economic developer, you're biased about your community. But I think that they hit the nail right on the head. I cannot brag enough about Clarksville, and there's not a podcast or an eight-hour day that's long enough for me to tell you about all the great things going on. But at the end of the day, 2019 was a pivotal year for us. 2020 with the pandemic, it was a pandemic. It's a terrible thing that's hit us all across the world. But Clarksville has pretty well stayed in a positive direction. We have continued our momentum. Our sales tax, our hotel motel tax, all of that is balanced out, even with six to eight weeks of shutdown. We have still grown business. In 2020, we announced 1,600 new jobs were coming to Clarksville. Zero incentives were offered in all of those situations. And over 1,200 of those jobs were office jobs. So to say social distancing, work from home, you throw in all of those different variables, we were still able to capitalize on our location. 2021, we're the third month in on the third day. And Chad, we announced a $220 million project less than six weeks ago for a commercial vehicle electric battery manufacturing operation called MicroVast. MicroVast is American owned, will be American operated. It was headquarters in Texas. The headquarters is coming here. The R&D is coming here. 
And, and I've developed a great relationship with the leadership over the last two years. And you know, in your past experience, landing big projects takes a lot of time. This project came to the community looking for a greenfield site. They were set on a greenfield site. Within days of them deciding to move forward on the greenfield site, we had a building come available. And that was Occubono Brake Systems, which is headquartered out of Elizabethtown, Kentucky. They decided because of General Motors downsize that they were going to consolidate. The great situation for us was was over 600,000 square feet. There's no square footage in Middle Tennessee. Company changed it on a dime and said, we're going into that building. They made an offer. The deal was closed. And here we are uh, less than a year later and we're announcing the company's got a significant investment they're putting into the building. And they anticipate within the next six months, nine months, they'll start hiring the 287 new employees that they anticipate. The wages are great. We're excited about that. And I think what I convey to my colleagues is the square footage is important if you're a growing community. The portfolio of property that you manage is vital. If you don't have option agreements in place and you've got handshake deals, you're not going to close the deal that way. Infrastructure is the most vital thing that I think I have learned in my profession, as well as making sure it's serviceable for who you're trying to recruit. I'll use our number one business in Clarksville, and that's Google. Google located on the Hemlock site, which Hemlock was a business that put a billion dollars into the community in the recession of 2007, 2009. Before they ever became operational, they closed the doors and scrapped the project. Google come in, bought it. Their infrastructure needs are huge demand. We got them here, and now we realize we're going to have to continue to grow to be able to grow with them. And so you have to understand that language. Yeah. And, you know, Clarksville is a great case study. I actually used y'all in a speech here about a month or two ago because I was in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, when Clarksville landed the Hemlock deal back in like 2008 or nine, whenever it was. And there was articles written in the Nashville papers and all criticizing the state. I think Governor Bredesen was governor criticizing Clarksville. They gave away too much or whatever. And then Hemlock up and pulled out. And it was people laughing at Clarksville, like, you know, what did y'all do? Now Clarksville has Google. I mean, so now who's laughing at who? I told somebody, I said, there's old saying, he who laughs, laughs, laughs the loudest. Well, now Clarksville. So it just goes to show if you are aggressive and you invest in infrastructure and you do aggressive deals, that is just a prime example of how a community went out there and wanted to make something happen. And it ended up turning out probably better than it ever would have. while other communities sat and pointed their finger and didn't do nothing. And now they may still be sitting there. And I know that precedes your time because that was way back in like 2008 or nine, but Clarksville has been after this since then. And so now all this success y'all are having, you know, I think obviously that doesn't happen overnight. So our listeners just really, uh, Clarksville will be a tremendous story to study of all they've done over 20 and 30 years to set this thing up. What we learned from that Hemlock project is that inventory is important. And I said that just a few moments ago, a little bit about us. We market about 1,700 acres of industrial property, zone property, and we also have a mega site. And we don't talk about that mega site. And some folks would say, why not? Quite honestly, we're marketing it to candidates that we want to grow with. I think the EV, the electric vehicle market is the next bubble. I mean, we're all following the SPACs and the stock tickers of all these new companies. And I think that 
for us, with having that and able to select who we wanted to grow with, puts us ahead of folks. Now, our tier ones, tier twos, OEMs, the smaller OEMs that we have here, they're growing. You know, we had a $220 million investment with Microvast. We've got several ancillary projects that are coming in as well. I don't ever put the cart before the horse, but I think that when you develop a momentum and you keep it, you do great things. That's the one thing I want everybody to don't get overconfident and don't take your foot off the gas. Keep pushing. Yeah. And talk about y'all's location because we have a lot of listeners that aren't from the South and they might not know exactly where Clarksville is. We're located on Interstate 24. We're 40 minutes north of Nashville. I tell everybody we're the best suburb north of Nashville because we've got about 10,000 transient folks that travel from here to Nashville every day. From Nashville, the next major city is St. Louis on Interstate 24. So we pass right through Kentucky and logistically, we're in a good location. Now, some may say, okay, well, what kind of logistic warehouses do you have? We don't have a lot, but we've got great manufacturing companies here. Yeah, and you guys are far enough from Nashville. It's not like all your success has just been a spillover from Nashville. You're not one of those suburbs that you don't ever know you left Nashville. I mean, you go through some rural hills getting up to Clarksville from Nashville. So y'all have had to do it on your own. It hadn't just been taking secondary projects from Nashville, if that makes any sense. That's correct, Jack. Frank had me up with a bunch of consultants on the fam tour. I, you know, time flies now with this pandemic. Maybe three years ago now, and it seemed like LG was building a plant. They're probably occupying it now. So talk about some of your other big industries there other than Google. So Google, LG, Honcook, Atlas BX, which is a subsidiary of Honcook, Bridgestone Tire. We've got a bunch of household brands here, Floral Tile. A little bit about LG, they built a million five square feet from the day they broke ground to the day they received their certificate of occupancy in one year. Our permitting process, our zoning process is flawless. I cannot brag enough about the county and city government team that works on that process for us. And they're currently employing about 800 people. They make solely washing machines at this facility. I look forward to their expansions. LG is on 400 acres and they've got room for growth. I equate LG to General Electric in the 90s. General Electric did a great job throughout the Southeast. Unfortunately, they relocated to Mexico. I feel like LG made the right decision by locating in Clarksville. And they've been a pivotal asset for us in some of the ancillary projects that we're seeing. And when Frank tells you they have 1,700 acres, so he drove us around it on a bus and I had to give credit to MT, Middle Tennessee Industrial Development Authority. They've got one of the nicest tour buses for consultants. You have. So I got to throw them some credit. But uh, he turned us around on a bus. And these 1,700 acres are beautiful. I mean, this is where Google and LG's right along the interstate infrastructure. This is not just some field some farmer has that Clarksville thinks they might can one day develop. I have no doubt that in the next 20 or 30 years, you're going to land a lot of deals because, I mean, that is a heck of a industrial site you've got there y'all are working on. It's a gently rolling topography. All due diligence is done on what we own and what we have optioned. The great news is, is that, you know, we're three months of infrastructure out from serving the site with what a company's needs are. And I, and I think that's important. You know, a lot of folks say, well, you got to have infrastructure in place. Well, we've got it in place, but we don't have it directly to the site, or we may have it directly to the site. 
but we don't want to back ourselves in the corner from losing the next Tesla or the next major OEM deal out there by putting something in the ground that doesn't need to be. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other bills and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success And I think you're right about these electric vehicles. Yesterday on LinkedIn, I wish I had saved it, but I was just, you know, browsing around and somebody had put up that a lot of the southern interstates, they're starting to invest in, you know, not gas stations, but places you can charge your electric vehicle. They showed all the interstate routes that were going to be lit up, I guess you could say. And so I certainly think this is probably here to stay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was a big push from General Motors and Ford and Chrysler and all of them. And I know you watched the Super Bowl, but they put the days of the years of when they're going to be all electric. 2030, 2035. I mean, we're talking nine years from now. I think it's going to be a quicker transition than what we anticipate. Yeah, well, you're sitting in an ideal spot for all of that. And then talk about the military base that's there. And I know it kind of extends into Kentucky and Tennessee, but folks will probably want to hear about that. So Fort Campbell Army Base, their post office is in Kentucky. And what I tell folks is that postmaster needs to be nationally recognized because Kentucky gets a lot of credit for the base being there. But two-thirds of it is located in Tennessee. There's a large troop population. There's a large spouse population that we tap into every month. We see roughly 10,000 transient folks a year come and go, but we also see about 400 service members on average a month transitioning out of the service into the civilian market. We're lucky if we capture 30 to 40 percent of those. We've got campaigns in place to help our industries hire, but it really boils down to the company. The company's got to have the culture to meet that individual's needs. And you know this as a site selector, the company's mold has to fit the community's mold and vice versa. We're in a labor market situation where the employee can choose who they want to go work for. They don't have to be Mm -hmm. pushed into a corner and say, I'm going to work for X company or Y company, they can really fill a company out through the interview process. And so our military folks, we're educating them on those advantages. We're also talking to them about training and resume critiquing and getting prepared for the civilian workforce. Fort Campbell is a huge asset. I tell folks, I said, it's graduation month every month because we're seeing 400 people come out of the military where in most traditional communities, 
they rely on a community college or a high school to pump out somebody in December or May. We're not in that case. Yeah, and I guess if their spouse likes it there, they may want to get a full-time job and stay. But, you know, it's funny. You've got all these acres, yet the latest deal you landed went into an existing building. That just goes to show economic developers out there that if you have a building, they just get more attention. They help you land the deal, you know, for whatever the reason, even when you've got all the land in the world. I've got on my agenda in the next couple of weeks to pull the trigger on building a spec building. We anticipate by the end of summer, we'll have broke ground on it. We anticipate a nine-month timeline. We're going to put the building on 25 expandable acres at 100,000 square feet to start, expandable up to 300. We anticipate before we break ground that we will have someone on the market ready for that property. I have no square footage currently available. In December, I had a 20,000 square foot building that was listed. And by January the 4th, it was off the market. I bet. I bet. Well, let's transition a little bit into your story. So tell these folks how you got into economic development. Yeah, so I give all my credit to Kentucky in this regards. I left the state of Kentucky in 2003, joined the U.S. Navy. After I got out, I came home and I was introduced to the Chamber of Commerce. I went to work for a headhunting firm such as yourself. And while I was there, I got recruited to come work for Corky Peak in West Kentucky representing the Cabinet for Economic Development. Shortly thereafter, I relocated to West Tennessee, spent about two years there, and then Clarksville, give me a call. I've been here now almost three years, and it has been an exciting ride. Economic development is a great trade. It's a great skill, and I call it a skill because it's not something that you can learn from a textbook. It's the day-to-day highs and lows that educate you on how to become a better economic developer. I just recently read a book that another consultant written. And it was talking about how economic developers is not for everybody. And it's not. But I think it's the attitude and the momentum that you put into your job that makes you a better economic developer. I could probably be a business development person, for-profit business, but I truly enjoy supporting the community. I truly enjoy working with individuals whose lives are being changed by the projects that we work two and three and four years on. And I think that's really a facet. It's something that's inherited. I'd consider it to be a gene. I really enjoy it. Economic development is something I've been doing almost 10 years now, and I look to be doing it another 10. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. In June of 2020, Next Move Group launched a new initiative called The Movement, and we already have more than 100 economic developers as part of our movement. The movement was really built to help improve the quality of lives of economic developers. It helps economic developers land more deals, helps them get along better with their board and elected officials, helps them deal with the media, even helps them learn how to build their resume if they want to look for a new job. So thank you to our first 100 members, and if you want to join the movement, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement to learn more. Well, Corky, the guy that trains you, he's most St. Louis Cardinals buddy, so he's a good one to learn under. I call him every year around opening day. He may not hear from him for a year, but I call him asking what kind of team he thinks we're going to have. So we'll talk an hour on it. I'm sure he's like, I think the Cardinals are going to be good this year. So you advance rapidly. I mean, in 10 years' time, you really advanced up the totem pole. So if we have young folks listening who maybe just graduated and got their first job as a project manager somewhere, what have you learned that maybe you could share with them 
that could help them advance if they want to be a Frank Tate one day? I don't think I set the mold. I think it really takes determination in your eye. And it's like I just said, you've got to learn from the lessons and decisions that you made. And I think that if you do that, you're successful. I had a friend of mine ask me a few weeks ago, how many dollars have been invested behind my work? And I didn't really think about it. So one night I sit down and I started writing down and pulling the press releases that I kept. In less than eight years, I've announced $1.2 billion from projects that I've worked on. That to me is a testament of what hard work gets you. And I think it just takes determination. I want to say this, an economic developer is a practitioner. There's no textbook that says how you do one thing or how you do another. And as long as you're willing to ask for help, when you're in that president, that director, that CEO role, you're going to be successful. I call a lot of great people throughout the country and ask, hey, how did you land Tesla? What happened in Tulsa for you not to get that project? Or Toyota, Mazda, and Huntsville, what did your team do to get that? And after those folks start telling you what they did wrong, you take that back to your team and you say, okay, this is what we're going to do next time to make ourselves stand out. I think you have to be willing to learn to be successful. Well, take us back when you were a little 10-year-old boy running around. What did you want to be when you grew up? Let's see how similar that was to economic development. you want to be a ball player or what did you want to be back then? Uh, Chad, that's a great question. I've never had anybody ask me that question. <laughs> um, you know, I joined the U.S. Navy after 2001 happened. I'll never forget where I was. I was in college at Western Kentucky University. And I finished my associates or tied up my associates while I was there. And then I joined the U.S. Navy for 10 years. My vision of myself was to be a service member for my entire life. I got out under the position that I was going to go into the federal service. And during that time, that transition period, I had my first child. And I was introduced to a headhunting firm as I was transitioning from the service that says, hey, we'll help you out. We'll help you find a job. And I enjoyed that. And then I was introduced to the Chamber of Commerce as an economic developers. And I mentioned Corky Peake's name just a moment ago. I give him a lot of credit for my success today. Had I been hired under somebody else, I'd probably looked at another role. But he constantly told me to ask for help and to ask questions. And so I think it's the reason why I am where I am today. You know, the saying is, is I wish I'd know now what I knew back then. I think I've made the right course. I'm yeah. excited about it. I think economic development is really going to change over the next 10 years. I'm excited to lead that way. All right. Well, Frank, thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. Is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners I might not have asked you? No, I don't. I think what you're doing with these podcasts are great. I listen to them. Um, I encourage the folks that are listening to them to take into consideration some of the things that are being said because I've learned a lot of good stuff from them. I think your firm's doing some good work. I'm excited that you've asked me to participate in this podcast. Don't be a stranger to Clarksville. Come visit. Come spend some money. I've got a lot of things going on I'd love to show you. And so uh, we look forward to having you up here the next time around. It is a great spot. And if you're traveling to Nashville, stop in. They've got a great downtown area where you can have some good meals. they got a nice microbrewery. It's a fine place to go spend some money. Frank, give these folks your web address just in case they want to kind of check out Clarksville. Our website is clarksvilletned.com. The organization that I represent is a department of an umbrella agency. 
It's the EDC, the Economic Development Council. And our EDC is going through a lot of good transitions right now. We're preparing for the future. And I think that's pivotal for us to stay sufficient in what we're doing today. Thank you, Frank.